Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of John Talks. I'm here with my buddy, Ted Trendacosta. We haven't done Terrace House Thursdays in a while, but I just figured this would be some sort of grab bag I like episode. You say, I like you say in a while as if we're ever going to do it again. Correct. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't know when this is going to post, probably earlier next week, so I can't say it's Thursdays with Ted or Tuesdays. Eh, maybe Tuesdays with Ted. We'll see. Uh, we'll figure it out. Ted, long time no talk on the platform. How have you yeah. been? Uh, you know, getting by. It. I would like to say it's getting better, but you read headlines and you kind of go, ah, you know, it is what it is. It sucks. Yeah. No, it, it's not good at all. Uh, baseball and basketball, by that I mean MLB and basketball. Quite honestly, the only two sports that I care about are opening Same. up <laughs> Same. pretty soon. Uh, the NBA at least has a bubble, and it seems like they're taking everything very seriously. Yeah, Dwight Howard I'm... was the first player to uh, get dinged on the hotline. Oh, did that? Okay. It, a story released that Dwight Howard had been snitched on for not for, for posting vid for being a it, dumb idiot. He was posting videos of him walking around, you know, wherever he was in like the bubble with without a mask on. Dwight Howard not doing a smart thing, really. Uh, yeah, which oh, sucks because like uh, I'm a quasi Laker fan, and like his like resurgence with the Lakers had been fun before you know it all happened. I'm like. Hey, come on, man. You're winning over so many people in LA. Now you're doing this. 100%. And you could just see all of the, um, you could see all of the headlines with, with what's going on at the bubble. And, and it was funny with Rajon Rondo's tweet. Uh, I think he compared the, the room to a Motel 6. I went to Disney yeah. World last year in 2019. And I saw, I forgot which reporter it was. But he had been staying on the same property that I stood on in one of those resorts. And let me tell you something. Maybe it's just because, like, I'm a middle-class guy. It was yeah. wonderful. It definitely, yeah. I stood in a Motel 6. It was pretty cool. King-size bed. Uh, you get all the amenities. Uh, everything is on the property. The Disney World is no joke. So I think yeah. the NBA is doing it right. But uh, another funny thing, too, outside of Dwight Howard getting uh, stitched on, how about Rashawn Holmes? That, you know, you know he, he had a quarantine for eight extra days because he left the bubble, which was literally walking across the street to pick up delivery. Pick up, food. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm, I was getting a little steamed at, like, the players in quarantine complaining about the food because my response was people are putting their lives at risk to go make you this food so you can play basketball. Right. Like, the, the self-awareness is a little lost on them, I guess. I feel like Bernie Sanders saying in a stat that those employees probably get paid one-tenth of one percent yeah. <laughs> of what NBA players are making. I can't believe they, they're doing the bubble in Disney Orlando, and then, like, they also opened up the park, too. Yeah. And I'm like, I, like, I'm sure they're never getting anywhere close to, you know, that. But still, who knows what could happen. Hey, the Disney corporate offices, I tweeted this, the Disney corporate offices are still closed, but they decided to open up Disney World, so you can really see where they uh, have their priorities. I understand the whole argument of people having to go back to work and you need to help yeah. fix the economy, but if the science isn't cooperating with you, just, just wait. Just wait, yeah. And also, here's my thing. Okay, it's Disney World's right to say we're going to open again mm -hmm. and we're going to do what we need to do to have a steady revenue stream, start paying our employees again and try to get back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. But as a customer, this is just me. Like if I was a father right now and my kids always wanted to go to Disney World, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait a year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Wait a year, two years till we're all vaccinated. What is the rush? And, yeah. and did you see the list of requirements that you have to do to get into mm -hmm. Disney World? No, because I'm never, I wouldn't even think about getting on a plane to go to Disney World right now. Right. Are you insane? So but, why, I'm not even looking this up. But what's funny is you have to have your temperature taken. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's the whole laundry list of things. So temperature taken was one. You have to wear a mask, obviously. Mm. But it was like four or five things that I said, what is the – why do you yeah. have to go so badly? Oh, yeah, for sure. Did you see the – some, like, Disney YouTuber or whatever was live streaming it? And I just heard about that. Whoever she was with was like coughing, complaining of a sore throat and vomiting. They went to the tent. The tent was like, you need to go. Right. And they're like, no. And then they decided to not wear masks anymore. And I'm like, look, if no one's going to listen to them telling them to leave, 
what's the point on having any kind of procedures to keep people safe? Right. If you're not enforcing it. A hundred percent. I just hope that everybody, obviously the players uh, are safe in the NBA. I really hope the game day staff are safe. I mean, those are the people that my heart really goes out to. That's insane. That's exactly what I kept thinking about. Especially being someone who used to work these events, uh, Mm -hmm. not for the NBA, but just work college events. Yeah. Things like that. It takes a whole army of people to mm-hmm. to make sure that the event goes on in stride, and you're making nothing. I, yeah. I interned. I interned at places. I was making nothing. I can't imagine supporting a family on whatever salary that they had. Um, yeah, I, to do this now. And like, they're probably the ones more at risk because, you know, given the opportunity, maybe they're not even covered healthcare wise. Because they're contracted work workers, right? Because they work probably. seasonally, yeah. and so they're probably not covered. And they're maybe they're like the healthiest person ever and not at risk. But even if they get it, they have to pay out. They might have to pay out of pocket, which I think is even more, you know, exploitative. And that also goes out to MLB employees, NHL yeah. employees that have to go out there as well. Yeah. So that so that's one thing. I want to see sports again. I miss baseball, and and mm-hmm. I've said this to you. I miss the Mets more than I miss baseball because if I miss baseball, I'd be watching the Korean Baseball League, which yeah. was cool to see on Twitter, some of the gifts that came yeah. out of it or some of the videos. But I have no affinity to watch exactly. That's at, how at I'm five at. in the morning. Yeah, I don't, I, like, I don't care too much. I have a team, but it's the loosest connection to, for me to care about the team because they keep having my favorite K-pop group throughout the first pitch periodically. I'm like, that's the only reason why I know this team. Right. Like if that team wins the Korean baseball championship, you're not flying to Seoul or yeah. wherever it is and going in the parade, which they probably won't have because that's a smart play anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, they're smart over there and, you know, they've quashed the thing pretty reasonably well, like most other places. Fucking New Zealand hasn't had a confirmed case since people from the UK flew in, but which Ted, was out of their con- control. But that's a small country. Uh, that's not that's not the same as America. I know. Come on, Ted. Hey, Japan's opening movie theaters. Like, what are we doing, bud? They're getting mad at the U.S. military that's stationed in Okinawa for getting COVID and being dickheads about it. Like, I, I see it's like it's a common factor that it looks like the U.S. is being very funny about this thing. Japan was the most interesting one and i think and and i might have my facts wrong here but i believe that they didn't have the shutdown to the to the degree that we did but no. because because it's not uncommon in asia for people who are sick to wear a mask it's not uncommon or it wasn't hard for the government to say hey yeah. instead of 96 percent of you wearing a mask everybody just needs to wear it for this period of time and then we can go back to normal yeah and that's just, exactly what happened it's, they literally said be a little more careful than you usually learn it's like all right like, and that's how it is for so many other, like, except maybe the UK, everywhere else was kind of like, or in Brazil too, everyone else is like, hey, just be a little more careful when you go. And everyone's like, oh, all right. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I remember in March when I was taking the train to go to work and you, you hear the reports about the coronavirus coming, coming to the West side of the world, specifically America. And I... At the time, it was just be careful what you touch and wash your hands. Yeah. So what did I do? I washed my hands. Mm -hmm. You know, like I took all the precautions. And I think that's the problem too is that, you know, math is absolute. Two plus two will always be four. No matter how many times you want it to be five, it will always be two. But the science changes. And it changes rapidly. Remember, at first we heard that masks were ineffective. But now we're learning that they are effective. Yeah. Um, And and there's many things out there. Uh, You know, I didn't mean to get onto this whole rant and stuff. Yeah. Or, or things like that. Uh, baseball's having inter-squad games now, which I think is pretty cool. It's a little it's, eerie to see. It's been, like, it's been fun to watch because I didn't think I'd care because the Yankees started broadcasting them first, I think. Right. And right. I was like, how can you watch this? And then the Dodgers did it, like, two days later, and I found myself watching Adam Kolarik start for the Dodgers. And I was like, I guess I'm watching inter-squad games now. I'll, and, I'll like, say this. I'll say this, it's a, little, it's a little eerie to see the empty stadiums, no matter what stadium it is. Yeah. Uh, except for the Florida stadiums, because that's pretty much the norm. Uh, yeah. But, but let me ask you this, as a Dodger fan, and I wanted to bring this to you. 
So the Braves just signed Yasiel Puig, and I, I'll take Puig on my team any day of the week. Sure, I know that you same. love him as well. The Dodgers will never go back to that. Are you going to go on about John Schultz being an old curmudgeon? No, no, no. thinking it's killing his team or something? No, no, no. Here's my thing. Why do you need Yasiel Puig when the Dodgers have Chico out in left field? <laughs> Has that that's, guy been amazing or what? That's been the, like, good feel-good story I've desperately needed during this whole thing. <laughs> because I keep reading more, and I'm like, this is like so heartwarming. I've really, I didn't realize how much I needed a very good story until the Chico stuff was really happening. I was like, this has been good stuff. And this is something I've needed to see. He threw out Chris Taylor. Yes. With like yeah, a so- cannon, <laughs> like a frozen rope back to uh, whoever's playing second or short. Yeah. So, so for people that don't know, uh, his name is Francisco Herrera. His nickname is Chico and he's a clubhouse attendant. Can you just imagine that? You know what? I'm just going to show off. That's the brilliance of this ownership group, this front office, and <laughs> and, and the general manager. Uh, market inefficiency, man. Right. That's it. It's it's like, hey, you, you, you don't really need that Rancho Cucamonga pipeline anymore. <laughs> You've got this guy in your well, own clubhouse. Uh, I, he was on Attentional Talk a couple days ago or something, and apparently he did have a tryout, like one of the open spring training tryouts for the Dodgers, right. like on the recommendation of one of the scouts or someone in the at the time. This was back in like he's because he's been there for a while. Because like he was a ball boy, like he was a ball boy when I was going to games, like as a kid. He's been there for a minute, and so like I thought it was cool that he got us like you know invite to camp and all that to like actually try out. But to see him play, I was just wanted to see him hit. Just give him one AP. Right. Like, oh, I like I think it's the best troll job when you're doing the uh the exhibition games against the D backs and you're like, hey Chico, go out, take uh take an A B. Like, who cares? It's the D backs. If if Billy Crystal can get a plate appearance with the Yankees in spring training, yeah. Why can't Chico, who actually is a ball player, yeah, <laughs> do it? Yeah, that that's been really fascinating. Uh, and I've really enjoyed to see it. Here's another thing that I have a problem with, and I know you have a whole uh, diatribe that you're going to get into. Here's my one thing. I understand that baseball is a business, and they're always looking for the dollar, and it seems more times than not, uh, either it's major league teams, players, whoever, would rather make $1 today than $2 tomorrow. Here's my thing. I saw it with the Mets. I know other teams are doing it, where teams are charging fans or season ticket holders to have cardboard cutouts of themselves mm-hmm. to be in the stadium. Now, the Mets, this is how much a cardboard cutout for the Mets cost. $86. $86 to put my face you know, in the front row at City Field. Like, why would you do that? I didn't like when they had the bricks at City Field when they were opening up. You could buy a commemorative mm-hmm. brick. But at least the brick, because I have friends that bought it that first year, it's still there 11 years later. And it'll probably be there for the foreseeable future. That's cool, given the lapse of time that's happened. Why would you want a cardboard cutout of yourself that probably you'll never see on TV? Who knows if it's actually there? And it's eighty-six dollars. Well, that's a that's a steal for the uh, Mets fans because for the Dodgers, it's like one twenty-five or something. Oh my god! And I'm like, when they announced it, I was like, oh, is it like a raffle that I could just send in a picture and maybe they'll use me? And it's like, no, you got to pay. And I'm like, oh, God. At least for, I don't know about the other teams, but the Dodgers are putting that money that they get from it to their Dodgers Foundation, which is their charity organization. So it's not like it's going back into their pockets. It's actually going to their, you know, a charity work that they do. That's nice. I think it's fine, which I think is fine. But like to charge that much for a statistical anomaly of you being shown on screen is uh, too much for me. Right, 100%. And, and what happens if you're placed I – mean, Dodger Stadium is one of those stadiums where you walk in and you have to go down. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're entering from the upper deck. There's no shot you're going to be seen on TV. Mm. Uh, the one time I went to a game there, I was sitting the last row behind home plate at the bottom, like before where the celebrities go, usually yeah. like where Larry King is and all that stuff. And – my mom was watching the game and I was like, no, no, we're right here. Trust me. We're right here. And cameras are running through and we weren't on TV. And now yeah. listen, I know that it's a one in a million shot, but it's like, if I can't get seen over there, there's no way somebody all the way at the top. You know what the yeah. Dodgers should do though? What they should do is just hire a whole bunch of like a event staff, like maybe, I don't know, 10 people or so. And what you do is like a real Dodger game, 
you only have a smattering of fans in the first inning, but then you fill it up with those yeah. cardboard cutouts by like oh, the third or fourth I inning. want them for at least one game for the cardboard cutouts not to be there for the first three innings. And then yeah. just play – like, I just like – I know it's like a whole meme and all that, that Dodger fans only show up in the third inning. But I was like, that'd be still so funny. Yeah. Um, two, more, two more Dodger things for me. Yesterday, I believe, was supposed to be the All-Star game at Dodger Stadium, right? Or was it two days ago? Yeah, something like that. Because in my out-of-the-park baseball season, we're at the uh, halfway point. Yeah, we're today recording this on a Thursday. No, but... it couldn't have been tomorrow because today the season would have started back up. Correct. So, so like so two or three it's, days it's always ago, that month? Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. It would have been the 14th of July. And it's just – it bleeds into two points. One, good on baseball to have the All-Star game back at Dodger Stadium in 2022. Yeah. They're going to do it next year, so that's fine. Let's give it yeah. to them the earliest possible time. And I think Dodger Stadium has needed it for a while. Wrigley Field needs to have it. You need yeah, to have exactly. it at these classic ballparks. Too. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Number two, with the whole division realignment and obviously what's going on with the pandemic, your hands are tied. But the Astros deserve a perp walk in Dodger oh. Stadium. Whether I'm, it's the All-Star game, I'm going to let you go off in a second, but whether it's the All-Star game or whether it's the Dodgers playing the Astros in interleague play, there needs to be fans there. I'm not saying that they should do it this year, but baseball, please, 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 Dodge. in the future, can you ease? Can you do one of two things? You have to schedule the Astros to play the Dodgers. They're playing them or, next year because right, the, exactly. the ALS is playing the uh, uh, NOS again. But Dodger fans, in 2022, please stuff the boxes for I every know. 2017 Astros. Yeah, oh, I was the before this was like when like I remember I remember this day so I mean like sure this was like in February but like you know think about everything that's happened between February and now it's a lifetime ago but I remember this so vividly this is like one of the last times I had been on the subway that I can remember the other time was going to meet at a like ex MLB function with a bunch you know that was the last time I had been on the subway which is like maybe a couple weeks after but I was on the subway and Rosenthal says punishments for the Astros doling out today or something, or like it had just been announced everything that was going on. And I was like, man, just please stuff the ballot boxes for 2017 or for the 2017 Astros to be at Dodger stadium for the all-star game, just so they can all boo them on the red carpet. Yeah. Like just desperately, desperately. That would have been the greatest thing ever. It still bothers me that at the end of this year, whether there is a season or not, Lunau and Hinch, their suspensions will be absolved. Did you hear what the uh, pitching coach for the Astros talks, was saying? No, what he said. He was like, you know what, my, you know, I'm probably going to be made fun of, but my lock screen on my phone is the one-one uh, changeup cranky through to Juan Soto that should have been called a strike, and everyone's going, man, imagine being mad about something that's totally out of your control. <laughs> Like the like it like I can't believe how tone deaf they continue to be. It's astonishing to me. Like Verlander's like Verlander's trying to be like, hey, let's just forget about it. Yeah, it happened. Let's move on. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm never gonna forget. You think I'm gonna forget this ever? My dying breath to my grandchildren are gonna be, hey, I want you to keep talking about how the 2017 Astros cheated in the World Series. Right. Right, there's gamesmanship, and then there's cheating, yeah, which is like, exactly what the Astros Oh, my God. I'm going to be the old curmudgeon when I'm 80, and my friend's like, what was it like being young? And I was like, well, let me tell you about the 2017 Astros. You're never going to stop hearing about it. Yeah, especially, especially from a Dodgers perspective. I can only imagine your pain. The Dodgers, I believe, didn't lose an entire game in July or August. They went 60-0 and and <laughs> were just really soaring to the playoffs. And then they like felt, then they took a nap in September. Right. We're still the best team in baseball at the end of, they literally took a nap. They like the D-backs won like 15 games in a row or something. And they were still like 12 games back. Like what, what was the point of them even like, and then, you know, I, I have the whole spiel about their announcers when like the Dodgers finally clinched in September cause they were taking a nap. But like, they were just so good. And then uh, there's that tweet about, like, um, the Will Smith, the pain thing, where he's, like, sitting like this. And I was like, what's your sports memory that makes you feel like this? And I'm like, game five of the 2017 World Series, forever. Right. Like, like 
Because now that stings so much more. Dodgers scored 12 runs in like two innings. Mm-hmm. And like the Astros were never befuddled by pitches that were coming. No. no but at and, least and Hugh Darvish is getting his, you know, sorry tour from Dodger fans. Yeah. I'm glad 100%. about that because, you know, you know, that offseason I had like you asked me and I think Joe Brown had also asked me like, hey, how would you feel if the Dodgers re-signed you Darvish? I'd be like, he's a good pitcher. Why would I be unhappy that they signed a good player? Right. Like I wanted him back. I would have been happy to have him back. Well, and the funny thing about just hearing all the arguments and hearing uh, anti-Dodger arguments was like, like, and I love uh, Mad Dog Russo. I do. I, yeah, I grew yeah, up yeah. with him. I love him. But his argument was, well, don't don't tell me don't tell me that uh, the Dodgers are chipped. The Dodgers lost that series themselves. They you know they should have won Game Five. They should have they should have won. Uh, you know they they had a lead in I think Game Six or they had I a lead in what. two and six I think. Right. Yeah. And well, and they won six. They lost yeah. two. Uh, you know, and he's talking about all the times that Dodgers had chances to win. Yeah, that's true. The other team still cheated. Yeah, the other team still knew what was coming. Like, if I have a bank, if I own a bank, and I have a security system that is in place, and it malfunctions that day, and somebody comes in and robs it, yes, the security function's not working, but they are still robbing your they bank. Still, yeah, they still did a, like the wrong thing. <laughs> right. And like, and like, poor like every other pitcher that wasn't like Brandon Morrow and Kenley Jensen, who or like, like uh, Tony Sangrani and Kenta Maeda, because they were the three relief pitchers that were nails, right? And they beat, they were able to like hold them down. Like Brandon McCarthy pitched, looked okay when he pitched that one inning. He just gave up a couple home runs. They knew what was coming, so it's like, what do you even do at that point? Right. Like, yeah, you can't do anything. Yeah, the hope they miss. And they didn't. And they didn't because, you know, when you're sitting, when you can sit dead red on the pitch, you don't have to worry about guessing what, what, how it's going to move. All you have to do is see how it's like where it's going. And it doesn't help that the Astros don't help themselves out in that, you know, the suspension comes down, they open up spring training. Everybody that first day says, okay, hold ourselves. Well, first off, yeah, you bring out Altuve and, and Bregman to speak to the media for prepared statements. Oh, then man. you open up the locker room. And what's funny is, like, I was at the network that day when it happened, so I was able to see that footage. But let's just say I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, I'm a Met fan at home that only saw the prepared statement. I don't know how contrite everyone was in the locker room. And they were they showed really uh, – they showed a good amount of remorse mm-hmm. in the locker room. And then Correa the next day pulls over oh. Rosenthal and says, you don't forget what I said – this is what happened and we couldn't have cheated or, you know, like it wasn't as bad as people are saying it was. I don't know what made Correa go full heel the way he did. Right. Like, I don't know who got in his ear to, you know, say something, but like he is so unlike now. I can't believe why he would even imagine saying that. And like, he's going to be a free agent soon ish. If not this year, next year, like, how is every, anyone – if he has, like, a down 60 games, like, people go, oh, so whatever you did in 2017 was clearly – Right. Of, of some – like, even if, like, it did, you can prove it didn't help too much, there's still statistical difference that, you know, something had happened. 100%. And, listen, Correa will always get a contract. If you're talented, you'll always get a contract yeah. unless you're Barry Bonds at the end of your career when you were still very good, uh, yeah. but everybody hated you. So Correa will still get a contract from somebody. But you know what really stinks about the whole thing? And this is my first year working at MLB, or our first year working at MLB in 2017. Like, the Astros had a pretty likable team. Yeah. Tuve was young. Like, they were really likable guys. They were fun. They used to make fun with the camera. And yeah, it run. crushed me when the Dodgers lost. But I was like, you know what? The Astros seemed like a fun team. So I didn't really, mi- like, mind as much. They didn't seem like shitty people. I was like, no, these are still fun people. Like, it sucks that it was at the expense of my team. And, like, I still remember before this had all happened, like, I, sa- I said, this fucking sucks right now, but who knows, maybe in 15 years, I'm like, that was one of the greatest World Series I had ever watched, you know? Right. And right. they took – and the stupid team, being dumb idiots, took that away from everyone. Took an right. all-time great series and said, yeah, but, you know, we cheated. Dodgers had close games, all of those games, except game seven. Right. But – 
all of those games were competitive games. And for all we know, Dodgers didn't cheat as of, as of right now, Dodgers have not been come out as cheating in 2017. Right. So think about how good they were and still being able to be like, compete with a team that literally knew what was coming. I still like Alex would had a great point where it's like, would you rather, you know, go against someone who knew what was coming or someone who's using steroids? And I was like, hundred percent. Someone's using steroids all every time, every single time, because at least I can still try to get them out. Whereas if they know it's coming, they're sitting and they're, they're ready for something. Whereas steroids is just, they're a little bit stronger and have a little more reaction time or whatever. I believe Jack Cust was named in the Mitchell report. That goes to say that steroids don't necessarily help you as much as knowing what pitch is coming. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, listen, I know I'm a young baseball fan. I try to read up on all the history. I know you got the Black Sox scandal. You've mm-hmm. got the strikes in there. And obviously you've got steroids. This has to dwarf every other scandal, right? Um, like black, like here's I the thing with the the, the steroids the, one. Yes, I don't think black socks because like, that's legitimately game rigging. It is. It is game rigging. You're right, a hundred percent. And it's. And I think that's that worse. I think right. that's worse for the game. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I'm trying to think about it now. If or, I take uh, my true emotions out of the Dodgers losing the 2017 World Series right. in this fashion. Game fixing so much worse than what the Astros are doing by so much. Because you're not only affecting whatever you're doing, you're affecting other teams' performance, and then you're also pocketing cash, like, on top of that. Right. And the problem is, is that when this happened in 1919, players were – I think players were, like, florists in the offseason. Like, they were supermarket managers. Like, they they couldn't live on their ball-playing salary. Uh, so that's why they had to. That's why they had to throw the games. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the biggest scandal since the Black Sox. But oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, rigging, rigging games. I'd say a hundred percent. Yeah, um, like but, you know, I'll say this: if it came out that like two other teams were also doing what the Astros were doing, then yes, it's uh, it's bigger because it's right. now there's webs in other two other places. Right. But like, since it's just one team doing the dark arts. Uh, it was so the whole thing. I know Siz, our friend Siz, lent me his book, The MVP Machine, which is about mm-hmm. player development and all that stuff. A lot of it's about the Astros because at the time they were like, you know, and the Dodgers and like, you know, so, like a couple of players who really broke out. You know, Justin Turner was non tendered by the Mets. He's in the book. He was, yeah. Um, he was, uh, they talk about the Astros a lot because of how they the front office was so smart. And now it's like, I was like, I don't know how many deep I was in into the book. I'm like, I can't even read this book now because it doesn't matter what they did because they'll cheat at the end of the day. Right. Right. And there were a lot of misfires too with the Astros that they just, they just weathered the storm. They cut JD Martinez. Yeah. They cut JD Martinez. Brady Aiken was a failure. The, the number one one pick. Uh, and that turns into Alex Bregman, which, I mean, how many times do you get a comp pick being an all-star third baseman? Now, yeah, exactly. it, happened with, it happened with the Mets with David Wright for Mike Hampton. But, like, it, that's one case. That's two cases in God knows how many comp picks in the history of baseball. Um, I, the last Dodgers comp pick for uh, losing out on a player was very recent. I think it's, I think it's Will Smith was okay. their comp pick. And, like, you know, obviously he had a good rookie season, could be a good offensive catcher, all that, that's at a position that sorely needs it as a whole. Because you have, like, Gary Sanchez and JT Real Muto and then literally everyone else at right, catcher. But, but my point is that comp picks or any draft pick, you just don't know. Yeah, it's always a coin flip. You just you have no idea. That's why teams hate the Dodgers whenever they draft, because it's like they can draft whoever and, like, player develop. They care so much about, like, like, because I think Bueller was talking about it. He was like, like, he what he liked about the Dodgers, like, system when he was going through it is was why he hated instructs as a kid and all that stuff. Because he was like, those guys force feed you how to do stuff. The Dodgers were like, open dialogue. Here's what we think what works. But, like, if it works for you, let's talk about it. It was always an open dialogue, which helps in development. Because that's so much more nurturing than it is hindering. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a Dodger way. Like, look at what they did to like Matt Beattie. Right. You know, 
like dude was just a, a, a contact hitter and they're like who cares if he's a contact hitter he'll he can get stronger just he can at least he knows to put the bat on the ball and he can do that right and then you know and that's what they're saying with uh you know it's the draft it was five rounds whatever but they drafted one high schooler center fielder signed him i was surprised but they're like we he's like a legit center fielder because he has like he had the best speed in the class and all that but he was like he had great contact skills so that's what we wanted and like he'll grow into power if he does and or at least we can teach him with a new swing in it whatever 100 percent. all right moving on speaking about open dialogues and and open discussions. One person who never has an open dialogue is umpire Joe West, who some players have called the best umpire out there, really? but also, like, no, they, I think Kurt Schilling said, I heard Kurt Schilling on Section 10 podcast say that Joe West is such a good umpire, but you can't reason with him. Uh, like, okay. nor- normally, he's very good. So, Like balls anyway. and tracks and stuff like that? Correct. Yeah, okay. like he's, he's, he's a very good umpire, and he's very Because all fair. we know about Joe West is how unreasonable he is when players talk to him correct like on the field i'm reading an article on cbssports.com because it was the first thing that came up on google and this was on the 9th of june joe west said if this game hasn't gotten me by now no virus is going to get me i've weathered a bunch of storms in my life i'll weather another one joe west who is 67 years old but is also 65 games short of breaking bill clem's record for the most regular season games as an umpire of 5375 um, I'm not sure if there's some motivation in all of that, but here are the comments that really stood out there as well. Uh, and this quote, he said, according to our doctors, you're high risk, recalled West, who lives in Claremont, Florida, about 22 miles west of Orlando. Quote, I said, look, most of these people that they're reporting are dying are not healthy to begin with. I've lost 25 pounds over the winter. I'm playing golf every day in the heat. I'm fine. I'm not going to back down now. I don't believe in my heart that all these deaths have been from the coronavirus. I believe it may have contributed to some deaths. I said, I'm not going to opt out. I'm going to work. I'm going to work until you take me off the field or I get hurt, whatever, I'm working. And then of course the MLB UA came out and they distanced themselves in a whole press release. That's good for them, I didn't know that. Which, yeah, which, which was good for them. Uh, Ted, I know that we talked about this off air. You've got a whole thing on Joe West. The floor is yours. Yeah, it's I like the whole thing. Like, I don't think baseball should be played. One, because it's the amount of travel. Like, you saw the map when the schedules was announced. They still have to do so much travel. I don't know how you're going to like the idea of being able to keep any of these people safe, especially like Toronto when they're like when they here's the thing. I, I here's how dumb I am. Toronto announced that they have no ICU beds being used up by COVID patients. This was a couple weeks ago. It was around the same time Arizona, the state of Arizona, saying we're running out of bed ICU beds. So I did a population search. You know the city of Toronto has a population of one million less than the state of Arizona? Wow. And the city of Toronto was able to be like, yeah, people are healthy. Like, they're still getting sick, but they're not like we've able to weather the bad storm. And Arizona's like, oh, what are we doing? I know, like, maybe peaks hit differently, but, like, hey, like, if, like, I would be so scared being in Toronto going, man, a lot of planes going in and out from the United States because to play baseball, like, why are we doing this? And you have Joe West going, ah, whatever, you know, like, if it gets me, it gets me, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna do my job. He's not, he's not umpiring wearing a mask. Because he called an interstrad game for the Rays, and he wasn't wearing a mask. I wouldn't have known because I don't think they're broadcasting their games in any way. I only knew because they had another umpire there the next day, and guess what he was doing? Was he wearing a mask? He was wearing a mask, and someone literally tweeted, I think it was Tompkin, who's the Rays, uh, one of the Rays beat reporters from, the, I think, the just their local newspaper, who's like the big one for the Rays. He said... Uh, it's just so-and-so's wearing a mask, unlike Joe West, who was umpiring yesterday without wearing one. That's so dangerous. Like, if you're try- if the goal's to attempt to keep people safe, and by that it's you're taking tests away from people just so people can play baseball, well, 
like it's you're putting so much more added risk because if Joe Rest isn't willing to wear a mask to do his job, do you think he's staying home? Do you think he's social distancing when he goes out? Like I'm, I'm more concerned that not only is he putting himself at risk, like he's still a person at the end of the day. For however I feel about him, I don't want him to get sick and die. That's right. That's a, of course that's a messed up thing because he has family who I'm sure are nice people who don't want to see a family member die. And then he's on top of that, putting so many people at risk. And then on top of that, you know, shutting down baseball because he's getting players sick potentially. I don't know how it's not a requirement for umpires to wear masks. I don't, I don't think of, of all the things of, you know, their safety protocols, umpires wearing masks who tend to lean older than everyone else isn't wearing masks. Didi Gregorius is like, I'm playing baseball, but I'm also going to wear a mask the whole time. But Joe West can't? Well, and Didi Gregorius, too, I think it came out that he has kidney problems and he's yeah. at a higher risk. But the point is, Didi Gregorius, who is a player who's moving more during the game than Joe West, mm-hmm. who is, quote-unquote, healthier and in better shape than Joe West, yeah. is wearing a mask. I agree. I, I think all – I think everyone should be wearing a mask, number one. But yeah. if you're not going to enforce it for the players, you have to enforce it for non-players. Yes. That includes umpires. That includes scouts. That includes uh, the mascots that are wearing the mascot outfits. Yeah. Uh, it, there needs there needs to be some direct mandate there. Yeah, because it's been nice to see. Because I've obviously been watching the Dodgers inner squad games. Because what else am I going to do? And like all non-players are wearing masks. Chico wears a mask when he's not when he's in the du- in the dugout. He's able to wear a mask, like, like wear masks. I don't like it keeps people safer. Like, I don't understand the whole thing of like, yeah, I'm healthy. If it's gonna get me, then it'll get me. So what? Sounds like a terrifying notion. You right. know, it's the classic. You're only as strong as your weakest link, and that seems like a pretty weak, very bad, no good link to have. Right. Uh, especially when, for the umpire's sake, it comes into the hands of Joe West and Angel Hernandez. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I saw a John Boy video recently. Oh, I got to look it up. It was a breakdown about a terrible ejection that happened in Cleveland. I don't know if it was an Indians player that got ejected or not, but I know it took place in Cleveland. And on the same crew was Joe West and Angel Hernandez. And Angel Hernandez made a bad call, and Joe West comes out because he's a crew chief and he's trying to settle down the manager. (laughs) And John Boy said something along the lines of like, hey, you know, what are you doing blowing calls? That's my job. I'm supposed to be blowing calls. There's only, you know, one, <laughs> one room. There's only room for one bad umpire on this crew. I remember our first playoffs, 2017. Either It was either during the CS or the World Series. Because, like, we got the list of the umpiring crews, and it was, like, a shorter list than, you know, what the DS would have been. And I was, you know, at the office, and our friend Eddie was there. And the list came out and we're all reading it. And Eddie goes, you know, this is a good umpire list. And I was like, why? It's like, I don't know anyone on this list. Right. And when you, when you don't know an umpire, that's a mark that they're either like good umpire or they're just more, they don't, they, they must be fair in some sense that players like them enough. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's the funny thing about it. At least in the NFL, the NFL is a little different. You've got Ed Hockley and I think Ed Hockley's, is very popular because number one, he's sixty years old and he's jacked. I mean, he doesn't he like doesn't he stumble over his words a ton? Like he messes up the like when he's talking about. But he flags. gets the call right, but he gets the calls right. Yeah, and he's jacked and he's got the respect from the players. But that's the only instance where you could say, "Oh, okay, I'm glad that this guy has it," and and this official is popular. More yeah. times than not, like you said, if an official's popular, it's not for good reasons. Here, I think the difference, I've noticed this because, you know, thanks to back when, when I left MLB, left, however you want to describe it, unceremoniously decided not to show up anymore. Uh, I started watching more sports. I was obviously watching football and then like basketball because, you know, I had more free time. And I was like, you know, what, let's just get back into other sports, like follow up casually. The relationship between players and umpires or players and or umpires for baseball and players and refs in basketball and NFL is wildly different. Mm-hmm. They're 
couldn't be more different because you see the refs sometimes having a good time with the players, making jokes and all that stuff. You know, the players feel comfortable sometimes talking shit to the umpires for calls or what, or not umpires, but to refs about calls they make. And, you know, they take it in stride. They don't get mad about it. It's like, oh, it's a good time. Whereas, like, you, could, you, you would never, ever see that in, in baseball because you have the Joe West and the Angel Hernandez of the world going, oh, this guy's – I can't be made fun of because I'm the game. People come right. to watch me, which is always the joke we all make when umpires decide to be a little funny. The last thing I'll say about baseball this year, the last comments, I'm not a fan of the 7 o'clock starts. I know that some of the parts of the country are reopening and some people are going back into the office, mm-hmm. but you really had an opportunity to capture an audience that's stuck at home. I know. And, I, and here's the thing about making a dollar today instead of two tomorrow. Uh, there, there's a bunch of kids that are home from school because obviously the pandemic, but it's also summer vacation. Well, and they would have been home. At, they would have been home anyways, even if there right? was a school season, like it's going to go into the start of the school, like, you know, school year. Mm-hmm. School shouldn't be one. Well, school shouldn't be, Classrooms should not be physically reopening. I know a lot of families rely on a lot of programs from schools, and I know that's very important. Just fun schools, I, like I, you know, that's where I'm at. But on top of that, it's so unsafe for them to be in schools that I hope you know governors are smart enough to go. We're not going to listen to you know you know who to you know physically open schools, keep them still, you know, closed, and you know. Like, cause then that helps teachers not have to spend money out of their own pocket. Like whatever, I'm not going to get into this whole rant uh, about a broken system in the, how the United States is a sad country and we're the shithole country and all that. Uh, but like, yeah, kids are going to be home. You think kids are actually paying attention when they're in zoom classes? hundred percent. No. And I just go, man, you could just have baseball at three, five o'clock in certain places like, especially the West Coast games. Like, man, you know, people care about Mike Trout. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, you ba- started at four o'clock, you started at four o'clock Anaheim time and seven o'clock here, and people can, right. people can see how stupidly good this guy who has no neck is at baseball. Just see how good he is. And you're like, no, seven o'clock start times in Anaheim. Like, that's the way it's always been. Like, I don't get it. This is the rare year you could throw a bunch of – like, I think this is the year that you should throw things against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And I think and, – and I can't stand the arguments all the time. It's like, well, what? Ha- this isn't a legitimate season. Whoever wins the, the World Series this year is not a legitimate champion. No, that's not true. Like, Look, you still have to win. And, like, yeah. listen, I know it's not – I know it's not the same as the 162. It's a sprint it's more than – a year, too. Yeah. Yeah, the Dodgers, the Dodgers were like a lock to make the playoffs. And like, you know, obviously they still kind of are, but their projections for this year, they were projected to win the NLS by 20 games. That now shrinks to like five. So now the margin of error was huge, monumentally huge for the Dodgers. And it's now... They have to play a little bit better instead of, you know, falling asleep um, a lot with a month left to play. You see with the Mets, Jacob DeGrom has a, a they say, a non-threatening uh, back injury. But it's like if you lose Jacob DeGrom for three starts in a 60-game season, that's a lot. That's, yeah. You know, and if, he, the Dodgers, if the Dodgers have a 2-10 and ten stretch, that's huge. That's huge, yeah. No matter how good the team is, one bad stretch ruins you, no matter right. how good you are. And because it's baseball, a stretch like that can happen easily. Because, you know, you saw the, the Giants decided not to sell last year because they got a little hot before the trade deadline. Right. Like, and like Fried, uh, Farhan's hands were tied because they didn't like, he was like, they told me not to because – we had a little bit of a shot instead of getting better for the future. And I, and so, you know, it could kill. I don't even know how we're going to have a trade deadline this year. That's well, at least, at least for Farhan's uh, perspective, at least Farhan said, all right, ownership didn't allow me. Like ownership was the reason why we ruined last year. 
but hiring Gabe Kapler will be the reason why I ruined this year. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I know. I know we talked about this when he was hired, but I was like, it made me really think like, man, I think Farhan really wanted Kapler to be the Dodgers manager, but literally everyone else was like, no. And I'm very like, you know, first, you know, wishy-washy as like Roberts has been, I in general like him as a manager. Yeah, it's a good manager. And he's he's yeah, sure his like his decision. Oh, there was one thing. Well, he I saw, he, he was he was the reason why they lost Game Five last year. Oh yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. But I saw a tweet that physically hurt me, which was I can't believe I'm I've seen like someone. This was like two baseball perspectives writers. It's like you know I've seen Adam Kalerik pitch 21 times in you know double a whatever and the editor for baseball successes who i follow and is a big dodgers fan was like i wish i saw him one more time yeah. which is the juan Soto at bat right uh, bat and you know and i'm like man that yeah you're right but that physically hurts me to read yeah no 100 percent uh and, and i don't know listen farhan's got to be a great salesman and and everybody that he's worked for loves him. Yeah. Uh, he's loved in that fantasy baseball league, which I hope the Dodgers – I mean, that fantasy football league, which I hope the Dodgers do again. That's my favorite access uh, Dodgers. I know. We love, we love, we love watching that stuff. <laughs> it, it is great. Um, that Caleb yeah, Ferguson a, singing the uh, national yeah. anthem. <laughs> well, how about, how about Farhan winning three times in a row and everybody puts a bounty on him? But, yeah. then, <laughs> but then this year, the Dodgers made the rule that – you can announce what player you're going to draft, but you have to click them in the computer. And of course, Cody Bellinger announces that they're drafting some player, but doesn't click the button to do it. And then the next team steals. <laughs> yeah. That's the, uh, I mean, like you take one look at Cody Bellinger and you're like, yeah, that's the guy who's going to make mistakes like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he won't miss a fastball middle middle, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm excited. Corey Seager looks healthy. Like, he is so much more, like, because, like, he came into camp looking scrawny. I'm like, uh-oh. And now he, like, beefed up because of quarantine. And I'm like, oh, man, he's stronger now. And uh, the joke's going to be, of course, oh, he's going to be too tall to be shortstop. Right. Uh, somewhere, somewhere Zach Granke read that report and salivated. I know. I want Zach Granke at Astros camp to be in the bathroom with a stopwatch, <laughs> making sure everyone's doing 20 seconds. See, that's the sports 30 for 30 that we're never going to get. Or, like, we need, we need a last dance equivalent of Zach Greinke's. Oh, life. man. I um, need, uh. Because he's got his own trials and tribulations. But his whole – the way that he delivers his messages, so there's something great. else. It's, I tell this story so much because it's my favorite story. It's when he was with the Royals, and it's either Eric Hosmer or Alex Gordon – or uh, yeah, Alex Gordon, they were going through a bit of a slump and Granky's like, hey, I want to show you something in the video room. And they're, and they're like, oh man, this is going to be, this is going to, he's going to show me something that in my swing that's going to help me unlock something. And it's him as a shortstop in like college or high school or something. And he just cranks a home run or like maybe it was an interleague game and he cranks a home run. It's like, you should do more of this. And that was his <laughs> message. I'm like, Man, I fucking love Zach Greinke. My Zach Greinke refuses to get guacamole at Chipotle <laughs> because they upped it to tw- upped it the price by twenty five cents, and he's like, "I have to, I have to stand against this." Zach Greinke, who makes millions of dollars, is like, "No, it's a principle of the matter. You can't up the price of your guacamole." My favorite Zach Greinke story comes from the Molly Knight book, which if nobody's read yet, shame on you and you're a Dodger fan. You need to read that book. It's great. Uh, my favorite is when he's talking to A.J. Ellis uh, <laughs> after a bullpen session. And, of course, players talk about who they would trade or what moves you would make, if, you know, deadline or whatever. <laughs> and Zach Greinke has a good bullpen session with A.J. Ellis. And, <laughs> and A.J. says, oh, you know, like, what would you do? What would you do if you were the general manager? And Zach Greinke goes, well, I trade you because you're never going to have another year like you did last year again, and I'd go younger. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine saying that to somebody's face? I know. It's, he has no filter, and that's what you have to like, yeah. respect about it sometimes. Yeah. That's why I love Zach Granke, because he's, you know, obviously the whole anxiety thing and all that stuff, which resonates with me. 
if we're going to talk about anxiety, we're also going to have to talk about Andrew Tolls. But uh, yeah, sadly, he, he, yeah, no, he went like Zach Greinke. Like I think he took a year off from baseball, you know, to do that to deal with it. Came back, and then he's just this like weird weirdo dude who like doesn't care about what other people think about him, which all the respect in the world to him. But at least he's not like a dickhead, like asshole about it about, about a lot of other stuff. And he's right. just like, no, I just want to, let's just talk about baseball. I'm pretty sure someone said, like, Zach Greinke doesn't play golf because uh, he'd get too obsessed trying to be great at golf or something like that. Or maybe he does play golf, but he's, so, he's like, incredible at it, but he wants to focus on baseball or something. Right. Maybe it was tennis. It's something along those lines. Yeah. No, definitely not a sport that could be as lucrative as baseball. Yeah. Um, Although, if you are the best golf player, the best tennis player in the world, that's pretty lucrative as well. Well, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Novik, is that the best tennis player ranked number one? Uh, Djokovic. Djokovic, yeah. You know, he's an anti-vaxxer. There you go. And guess what happened to him? Uh, please, enlighten me. He got uh, he tested positive for COVID. Uh, no way. During, during the, uh, t- when they were playing tennis, when he was doing nothing to, you know, stop the spread. Surprise, surprise. I, for one, am shocked. This nightmare needs to end, man. I know. I just, I miss, I miss just being able to go out for a walk without fear. Hey, and this nightmare could have been over you know? if, you know, people, you know, were a little bit smarter. Did you and, see? And we're in the good state, which is crazy. I know. Like, we're in the place where you want to be if you're, yeah. you're going to be in any place in America. Yeah. I thought, like, California was going to be good, you know? Yeah. And then look what happened. Like, they started to chill out a little bit more. And look what happened. I think, like, as shitty as it's going to say, I think we have the luxury of chilling out marginally a little bit more because we hit that huge, huge thing. Right. And maybe people are a little bit safer from it who built up immune. Sucks people died, obviously. I don't want to understand yeah. that. But, like, man, th- those 100 days here from when it first hit big to now – that's uh, the sirens were making me go insane yeah because it was just non-stop for at a lot of places like i know our friend mcleod was talking about it as well mm-hmm. and like when they announced that like they had no new deaths in new york due to it i was like wow it's work i literally i'd said wow it's working and i was like i couldn't believe it was working yeah it's like i didn't like because of all the news i was like Man, it's working everywhere else, but because people here are, don't think it's going to work. Like, Taiwan is, has, has fans mm-hmm. for baseball. They're allowed to have fans. You know why? Their healthcare system's really good. Their tracking's really good. They're automating everything really well for, you know, tracking. I'm not going to get into the whole, how many people have lost health insurance during the pandemic? Right. You know, because it's the United States, a million plus Everywhere else in the world, zero. Right. No, I hear you. The All fact right, well, that listen. more people aren't talking, like more politicians aren't talking about how broken some systems are, is insane. No, listen, go out and vote. That's yeah. that's my that's my yeah. that's my argument for this. Go out and vote. Oh no, the uh, you uh, the postal service just got defunded. Because uh, guess why? Why is that? It's gonna make Trump lose, so he doesn't want that. So he's defunding the USPS. So on top of that. Uh, contact your local governors and Congress members, tell them, Hey, don't do this because then you're going to privatize the post office, which is insane. That's not how things should work because the post office is working. If it's working as intended, why are you taking money away? We're defunding the wrong thing. I'm not getting into it. Let's not get into this. discussion. All right. Well, well, before, before we, before we leave, um, I'll just ask you if you don't want it, that's fine. I know you've been reading the subreddit, so by for Terrace House. Uh, Any comments? Sure, we, or... we can get into it. We'll okay, get into it a little bit. All right. So I've been, I've been more. Admittedly, I was very upset, as everyone should be, when when Hannah Kimura, uh passed away by way of suicide. Um, but just following along on the subreddits uh, and seeing the fans, and and, sh- and by the way, shout out to all the Japanese speakers and translators on that subreddit. Cause a lot of content has come out yeah. in Japanese that I can't read. And Google translate is terrible when it comes to mm-hmm. Japanese translation, because it's never uh, direct or it's not, it's not uh, frequently as direct as it should be. 
Yeah. Um, so Hannah's mom came out recently. Uh, Kyoko Hamura. Am I getting that right? Uh, oh, I name. don't know her name. I don't. Anyway, she was she was a wrestler too. She was making the claim Terrace House killed my daughter. It was scripted. The whole um, the, the whole costume watch, incident. Yes, the costume right. incident. That's what it was called. Was staged. That, by the way, that does not shock me at all. No. That, that it was staged because that was a huge blow up over something so menial to me. Right. But, but some of the details that we're learning is that the producers egged Hannah on to, to be as angry as she was. They wanted her to punch him in the face, yeah. punch Kai in the face, right? Which she said, uh, she, she weighed a few things. And this is how mature she was. She knew that she was representing women's wrestling, which already is not popular and she wants to grow it. So she yeah. knew as a professional wrestler, if she slapped him in the face or punched him, then it's like, oh, look at these female wrestlers. See, they're out of control. We can't have this. We can't support this. And also, I mean, you know, she's probably the strongest person in Terrace House history. Like, <laughs> you know, she probably is, or she can hold her own. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, and one, you shouldn't slap people in the face anyway. Like, you just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but then, but then here's, here's my thing, right? So what, what we've learned from this long Yahoo Japan article that came out, it was a 10 hour interview uh, conducted with Hannah's mother about Terrace House, about Hannah's life. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, we're learning that there's an investigation going on at Fuji TV and they're interviewing all of the cast members. They call them performers such as Pepe, Rio, yeah. Amica, Haruka, everybody. Uh, I wonder if they're going to speak to other series, like for instance, opening new doors, Aloha mm -hmm. State. Like, I wonder if that's going to encapsulate all of that. Um, but I think, I think they need to publish when the investigation's complete, there need, uh, there needs to be some culpability. Fuji TV is going to have somebody that's going to take the fall, like it's, it, as they should be. Um, so they're, they're investigating Fuji TV and the producers? Correct. Okay. But just to see if this was a... Um, how long this to, is stretched. To see how long this, this, okay. this is trending to be going on. Um, I'd imagine I'm not a lawyer. Fuji TV's argument is, listen, it's entertainment. You know, we never said that this was 100% real. We just said it's not scripted. Yeah. Yeah. which I think that's a lie behind. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking about this uh, either last night or a couple nights ago, how much the commentators knew was setups and all that, how much they mm -hmm. knew. Like, I'm sure they knew it wasn't like, maybe some strings were being pulled, but I wonder how much they knew or how much they, they, they went into super blind and the producers told them nothing about what they had staged. Well, so there was another thing that went on on the, on the subreddits that there were sources that said that uh, the more you cooperated with the producers, the better uh, reception you got from the commentators, which uh, wouldn't surprise me because, like, let's be honest, I love the Guilty Samurai, Taishi, yeah. from Aloha State, but not for nothing. He did not come off as a redeeming character. No. Uh, and, but because he was willing, or it looked like he was willing to play with the producers, he got, yeah. he got a longer rope than say West did from that season and, and yeah, other or, or and even other like Shohei from you know you know Opening this season. He, oh, this, this season. This season because right. he was like he kind of just left because he like I assume like maybe that's why he just left and since he wasn't cooperating they were fine with letting him go because you said the producers wouldn't even let Hannah leave. Right. And that's what I was gonna get to. There were two things that really stood out to me about the way that the producers allegedly uh, spoke to Hannah and spoke to Kai. Number one for Hannah is that Hannah wanted to leave a lot earlier. Her agency at the wrestling company would not let her leave early and the producers didn't let her leave early because they said that she brought in the ratings. It's one thing to say, Hannah, can you get us to part four? And after part four, you can leave. Or, you know, you can leave at the end of part three. It's another thing to say no. Mm -hmm. Because I under at the end of the day, it's still television. You have to find a reason uh, yeah. for the audience and for the story of the show why you're leaving. Mm -hmm. Right. So I understand, I, I would understand if that was the case now let me just say this is all alleged another alleged case was that and i haven't seen the episodes um so i'm going based off of, of of reddit and this should be shame on me for not researching this or seeing it myself but when hannah and kai went on a date in the amusement park uh, i believe producers they were on a trampoline were, yeah it was like a trampoline right, one of the trampoline places right. one of the producers one of the producers told kai to make a move and that he should grab her chest yeah which and kai, kai said no yes and, good for him. Right. Good for him, number one. And number two, good for Kai. Kai is spilling the beans. Yeah. I'm glad he's – I'm glad. I'm glad and, he is. And, and another thing that came out in that article was that 
obviously, and it should be no surprise for reality television, they sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, um, and if you do, one of the rules is you're not allowed to talk to the press. And if you do, uh, you can be fined $10,000 or whatever the equivalent is again, mm-hmm. but it's $10,000 a U.S. American dollars. Um, I, I, I'm up for Kai just saying, well, forget about that. Screw that. I'm going to, I'm going to divulge everything. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm good, good for him. Cause I know he wasn't really received as like the one of the better guys, I think. Right. I think like at that time his stock had fallen like from fans in general. Cause you know, unfortunately or unfortunately when the news broke about Hannah that we were literally a day or so from recording the next episode which was his stand-up which was brutal to say the least yes and like I I think that also hurt his you know stock with fans but I'm glad he still like without trying to improve his own he was like no I'm not going to do x y and z right and I'm glad he's, you know, saying something as opposed to saying nothing. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, selfishly, I would love that there was just uh, maybe a documentary on this thing or maybe just a mm-hmm. long form piece. I just hope that if they ever do Terrace House again, and I can't see, they, one, they shouldn't. Two, I can't no. see a reason why they should. Yeah. And three, like, just going forward with reality television, they need to be better with casting young people. Yeah. In all countries, not just, yeah. you know, you see it, you see it with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Uh, well, they're you going see younger it, and younger now. You, yeah, you see it with, I mean, even like Dance Moms or whatever. Right. Like those, you know, garbage shows that like use kids as like their vehicle to be on TV and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, exploitation is very real and all that stuff. So it's My like, point is, can you imagine if you yourself, Ted, was on Terrace House at 21 as opposed to 28? Oh man! And now uh, you're dealing with all these comments. Uh, uh, I haven't changed much as a person about how I receive information or like comments and stuff about me. I probably wouldn't care all the same. But right, but there's a lot of 20 year olds out there that yeah, it's that like mature. it's like I'm in a very different position where I'm very different mentally. Right. Like my the way I like care about how peers perceive. Like I'm very Zach Grinky in that I don't really care. Right. Like if I'm a piece of shit, I'll say, "Oh no, I was a piece of shit in this one instance." Like, yeah. It's uh, rightfully so. I deserve everything I get. Right. But like, you know, if like, obviously I'm not like, there are other people who aren't in that position who can, who go on thinking, oh, people are going to love me. And then when they don't, they take it very personally and it kind of hurts, you know, themselves emotionally and mentally that it does matter. Right. But good for Kai. I've been, I've been peering at the subreddits to get some sort of closure. I know Vivi had a, uh, YouTube video with uh, Rio, uh, another character that comes on later, another cast member that comes on later. Um, I didn't watch it. Uh, I know that they talked a little bit about Hannah and, and that, mm. um, but from what I heard from the comments, it was a little pro Terrace House. So maybe they oh, were really? playing, maybe they were playing devil's advocate. I don't know how you can play devil's well, advocate. Well, let's go. Let's. Like, hey, where's where's Lauren Sai? She. This is her time to. Yes. To finally say stuff because you know she's always been very vocal about how the show is portrayed and how di- how she never liked it and how the producers right. really tried to control a lot of stuff. This is her time to really be able to be open about it because she's right. always danced around it, you know? Mm-hmm. This, it's like, she's she could be the president. It's time for her to be the president of here, here's why Terrace House is bad. I wonder if she's waiting for the official word to come down that Maybe. it's been discontinued and she's let out of her NTA. Like, I don't know how long those things yeah. exist. For. Yeah, I thought I thought the second they would leave, maybe there'd be at least a year, uh, or at least until the show is over, over, right. like their season. That's how I imagine it to work. Yeah. But, you know, that's contract law overseas right. for distribution in other countries. So it could be way different and way murkier than I could conceivably see but based on my loose understanding of how ndas work it would be i would assume once they either leave or the show is in finished full production and then maybe there is a year to wait you know right but the fact that you don't really see a lot of cases except for lauren like none of them speak out yeah so that that's why it makes me think it might be like a five-year deal it might be seven years it can't be a lifetime deal but there's got to no. be some years attached to it 
Well, it's like if like no one from Boys and Girls in the City has said anything because that was a long time ago. Right. At least five years, and they haven't said anything. So. Right. Who knows? But maybe like obviously, I I truly believe back then things weren't as bad as they are now. Right. And, and you can tell too. It was a lot looser back then. It was different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's just the whole thing. And like you know, the behind the scenes thing was the whole idol girl having sex with that older guy. Right. But that was purely that older dude manipulating that little girl, that girl, that younger right. woman into thinking this will, if they, if we know they're dating, it's going to hurt your image. So let's not, you know, say anything. Right. Like that's a different situation than, you know, what, obviously what had happened with Hannah. And then Burns was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to guess like this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was my spiel on, on Terrace House. I know we haven't talked about it in a while. Um, and I know we won't talk about it again. So you act, yeah, you keep it. acting like we're ever going to talk about this ever again. Start, started this off like, hey, remember when we did this? Well, it's not this, but we haven't done it right. in a while. We, we, even though we said we weren't going to do it again. And we're ending this with, anyways, I don't know when we're going to talk about this again. All right, all right, fine. Well, we, we we'll probably talk, talk about, about this again. again when like any real official investigation is done and released. Yes, 100%. Uh, or until Lawrence I sells the tell-all. Oh, man, write a book, Lauren. Oh, please do it. Please get do Andy it. McCulloch to ghostwrite it. That's that's fine with me. Anybody. <laughs> get Molly Knight. Get uh, I'm trying to think of great writers out there. Jeff Perlman. I don't care. Get him out there. <laughs> All right, dude. This was fun. I, I'm glad we just did some generic. I always try to think of like a theme or like just. Yeah. And, and I, I had nothing today. I was like, you know what? Let's talk about Chico. Let's talk about the Dodgers. Uh, some Terrace House in there. That Chico literally, like I was like, man, that's something good I needed. Yeah. And no, literally no joke, someone was like, Man, I hope Chico doesn't milkshake duck. And I was like, oh no, that's a that's a thought I didn't have. Yeah. Alright, man. Well, that'll do it for this podcast. And uh, as always, we'll see you next week. <laughs>